1: متضادين منتذرين لما وعدهم الله صنفا أخذ الحق لواءه وصنفا أخذ الباب قلة رداءه وصلى الله على سيدنا وحبيبنا محمد وعلى آله وأصحابه الأخيار وسلموا تسليما كثيرا وبعد وقال الله تعالى عز وجل في قرآنه الكريم Baada Udu billahimina Shaykhana al Rajim in Zalna ilaik al Kitaba bil Haku Litahumabinanas Bima a Qlah Sadaqallahu ma ulam aween Asalamu alaikum warahutullahi wa barakatuh. My dearest brothers and sisters in Islam. The subject of ruling by what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has revealed is not just an obligation from amongst the very many obligations in Islam. And it is not just an undeniable obligation from amongst the very many undeniable obligations in Islam. As we know, there are certain obligations in Islam that if one were to reject, if one were to deny, then they would have left the fold of Islam. Like anyone who rejects that salah is an obligation, he has left the fold of Islam, he is no longer considered a Muslim. We know the story of Abu Bakr when the people refused to pay him zakah and he fought them for their igtidaat, for their apostasy that they rejected an undeniable obligation in Islam. My point is that ruling by what Allah has revealed is not just one undeniable obligation in Islam, but rather it's the very reason why the Qur'an was revealed. It is the very purpose for which the Qur'an was revealed. Now people may think when they hear things like this, that these are the words of uh, a person who is exaggerating things that he believes in, in the deen. These are the words of a person that may be taking one aspect of Islam a bit too far. But brothers and sisters, this is not my words. This is not any of our words. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions in Surah Al-Nisa, verse 105, in the ayah I just recited, إِنَّا أَنزَلْنَا إِلَيْكَ الْكِتَابَ بِالْحَقُّ Allah is saying to the Prophet sallam Verily we have revealed to you this book, the Qur'an, bilhaq, with truth. Why? For what purpose? For what reason? What was the reason that the Qur'an was revealed from the highest of heavens to the earth? Allah Subhanahu wa Taala answers this question in the next part of the ayah. لِتَحْكُمَ بَيْنَ النَّاسِ بِمَا أراك الله So that you may judge, so that you may rule between who? Just the Muslims? Just the Arabs? So that you may rule between the whole of mankind, بِمَا أراك الله By what Allah Subhanahu wa Taala has shown you, by what Allah Subhanahu wa Taala has revealed. So there should be no doubt in any one of our minds as a Muslim that the reason, the sole reason, the sole objective for Allah giving us the Quran, as we hear in many talks, is not to just to be recited, it's not just to be recited in tarawih, it's not just to be put on a pedestal and not understood and not implemented. So the sole reason, and there's many ayah to the same effect, because the subject of today's talk is... A few ayat in Surah Al-Ma'idah. Time does not permit me to discuss the very many ayat that first of all talk about the objective of the Qur'an, the objective of the deen. In another ayah I'm sure many people know, Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala said in Surah al tawbah That he is the one, Allah is the one who sent his messenger with the deen, See, the deen is an ibara is an expression of the Qur'an because the deen is nowhere without the Qur'an. The deen is established by the Qur'an. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in this ayah is saying, we have sent the messenger with the deen of truth so that you may make it dominant, so that you may make it apparent, so that you may prove its superiority over all other deens. This is the purpose. Allah is, whenever you hear this laam, liyudhira, li tahkuma, لِتُخْرِجَ Islam is the law of causation. It gives you the reason for what came before it. So why Allah gave us the book. Why Allah gave us the deen. In order to take mankind out of darkness into light. In order to implement the deen of Allah. In order to rule by what Allah has revealed. So there are many verses in the Quran that prove the same point. That is not just an obligation that the rulers today are denying. It's not just one obligation that the rulers of today are rejecting to implement. They are rejecting the very purpose for which the Quran was revealed. That is the gravity of the topic we're discussing. We're not discussing a tafsir of a few ayat, brothers. We're discussing, and sisters, we're discussing the very reason why we are Muslim, the very reason why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed the Quran to us and made us part of the Ummah of Muhammad So this tafsir, brothers, is not like the tafsir any that you know. This is the reason, the purpose for why we are Muslim, to rule by what Allah has revealed and by what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has shown. In the first ayah we wanna to discuss today is in Surah Ma'ida, Surah number five, verse 44. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala begins this ayah by talking about the Torah, by talking about the Torah, the book that was revealed to Bani Israel. And he says, just like he began, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala began the previous ayah that I mentioned, verily we have revealed to you this book with truth. Allah says, verily we have revealed to you the Torah. And here he's addressing the Jews. Because the Jews, as you will know, as I explained, when this ayah was revealed, what was the sabab of muzul of this ayah? What was the sabab? what was the cause for the revelation of this ayah? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is addressing the Jews. And He is telling them, this Torah, I have revealed it. It's from my knowledge, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying. In it is guidance and light. Again, the same thing is mentioned. The prophets used to do what? Just recite it? Just put it in a corner of a room? Put it on the top of a shelf. What does Allah say? يَحْكُمُ an Nabiyun, That the prophets used to rule by it. Not recite it, not read it. What is the penultimate goal of the even the Torah? Was so that the prophets ruled by it. But then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says now to the Jews that have asked Rasul a specific question. He says, don't fear the people. I revealed the Torah so that the Nabiyoon can rule between mankind by what Allah has shown, by what Allah has revealed. And you fear the people. Don't fear the people, but fear me. And don't buy with the ayat of Allah, don't buy with the verses of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala a cheap benefit. Because they are trying to benefit in this world by changing the Torah. They used to change the rules of the Torah to fit and benefit them whenever they liked. And this is, you know, we talk about the sunnah of Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. This was the sunnah of the Jews. The sunnah of the Jews was whenever a ruling of the Torah contradicted what they wanted, contradicted their desires, contradicted their lusts, they would, Compromise. They would leave the ayat for what they think it's right. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in this ayah is referring to the Jews when he says, This ayah was revealed as narrated in Bukhari when a group of Jews they came to Rasulullah and they said to him, We have a problem. A man and a woman from our tribe committed zina. What do you order us to do? In another narration mentioned in At-Tabari, the Jews, they said, listen, let's go to Muhammad because what we find in the Quran is takhfif It is simpler to follow than what we follow. So they were going to the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam because they thought maybe he will give us a ruling that is easier for us to follow than the ruling we already know in the Torah. And look at the thinking. And you know what they said? They even plotted against Allah. And they said that on the day of judgment, when we are asked, "Why didn't we follow the Torah?" We will say that we followed a fatwa from one of the prophets from amongst your many prophets. They even formulated an answer that they would give on the day of judgment to Allah. Can you imagine that so we? You know, you, you said you sent. Another messenger, Muhammad, we went to him for a fatwa. Thinking that Rasul will give them an easier fatwa, will give them an easier answer to their question. You know, of what happens, what is the punishment for the adulterer and the adulteress. So they came to him and Rasul said, what is the ruling? What is the punishment for zina in the Torah? And they said, uh, uh, well basically, they made up. they made this up. They said we have to blacken the face, it's called tahmeen. We have to blacken the face. We have to sit them the wrong way the wrong way round on a donkey. We have to sit them a wrong way round the wrong way round on a donkey and parade them in the streets. And you jellad, and they are lashed. Look at these things they make up. As though it is from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Abdullah ibn Salam, Radiallahu anhu, who was a Sahabi who was well versed with the Torah, he said, You lie, bring the Torah, I will show you. I will show you where it says the punishment for Zina. So the Jew, he brought the book like this, these pieces of paper in front of me, and he put his hand on the the verse in the Torah that talks about Rajaf. That to this extent they would fall. While Abdullah ibn Salam is actually reading the Torah, he put his ayah, he put his hand on one of the verses, and he read the top verse and the bottom verse, and not the verse that was beneath his hand. So Abdullah ibn Salam he said, He said, remove your hand. And then Abdullah ibn Salam recited the verse from the Torah that says that the punishment for the Zani, al muhsan that the punishment for a married Zani, adulterer, is Raj'an, is uh, stoning. So this is how they used to hide and try and... St- every chance they get, they would try and deviate. From ruling by what Allah subhanahu wa taala has revealed, so this actually is a warning for the Muslims. This is a you know an ultimatum by Allah subhanahu wa taala that if you stop ruling by what Allah has revealed, then you are amongst the kafirin, like the, those Jews who refuse to rule by what Allah has revealed. You're not just a kafir; you are a kafir Jew. That's how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is warning us. He warns us of the activities and the sins of the Jews in very many other ayat. He says, Do you take part of the Quran, part of the verses of the Quran, or part of the verses of the Torah, and leave other parts? What is the recompense? What is the payback for such people, except for disgrace in this life, and torment in the hereafter? And isn't this the case, brothers and sisters? Isn't this the case? that the Jews, when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala removed the tyrant Fir'aun and freed the, freed the Jews, freed Bani Israel from the shackles of Fir'aun. What does Allah say? That they were roaming the Badi, they were roaming the deserts for years. In the biblical story, they were roaming it for 40 years. Why? Why were they roaming without any abode? Facing all sorts of hardships. Even after Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave them the victory at the hands of Musa. Even still they were roaming humiliated. This is what Allah means by humiliated. Even after He removed the tyrant, they were they refused to worship Allah. They made a calf and they started worshiping the calf out of gold. Every chance they got, they deviated from the truth. And why is Allah mentioning these stories in the Quran? Why, so that you may take lesson from these stories. What lesson have the Muslims taken, brothers and sisters? What lesson that when we know that the tyrants like the the tyrants like Mubarak have left Egypt, have left Libya, but still the Muslims are disgraced by a different tribe of tyranny. The treachery of the Jews, who when they had to rule by Islam, they deviated from it. And as we will mention, insha'Allah, in the rest of my talk. In the next ayah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Why did Allah say kafirun in the first ayah and in the next ayah? And this is a very important point because this is what we're seeing today. In the first ayah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is talking about the punishment, or was referring to the punishment of zina. Which is a punishment given to protect society from the promiscuities and the, the fawahish and the vulgarities of some people. In the next verse, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is talking about what? He's talking about bisas. He's talking about justice, isn't it? And nafs bin nafs. That if someone is killed unlawfully, the punishment for that is death. If someone's eye is taken out, then you take his eye up. If someone's nose is broken, then you break the other person's nose. He's talking about justice here. He's talking about equality here. Because, in another narration, the Jews said, okay, we've talked about Rajab now. I'm not taking that from you. Na'udhu Billah. We've talked about Rajab now. Let's talk about some other subject. There were two tribes, Nabir and Quraidah, two Jewish tribes. They would kill each other, and they would try and, and they would harm each other, and they would try not to follow the Torah in, as for an eye is for an eye. A soul is for a soul. And nose is for a nose. They thought that was a bit too harsh. So they went to the Prophet And then Allah revealed this ayah. If you don't rule, the point of this ayah is if you don't rule by Islam, then you are a dhalim, which means what? You are unjust. You are bringing injustice to the world. So that's why in this ayah, in the first ayah you're rejecting a command. In this ayah what are you doing? You are rejecting the commands of Allah. And in the process you are oppressive. One person's died and the only justice that can be served is if the person pays the ultimate penalty of death. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in this particular ayah is saying that implementing Islam is not just an obligation. It's not just the purpose for which the Quran was revealed but it is only through the Quran and through the implementation of the Quran that you will bring justice. Otherwise all of you are valid. Otherwise all of you are valid. Those who do not rule by what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has revealed. And the third and final ayah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala turns his attention to the Christians. And he says, أَهْلُ الْإِنجِيلِ بِمَا أَنزَلَ اللَّهُ فيه. And let the Christians, Ahlul Injil, the people of the Gospel, the people of the Injil, let them rule by what I have revealed in it. And not just part of it, but all of it. And if they were to follow all of it, if they were to follow all of it, they would regard Rasulullah as the last and final messenger, as the last and final prophet. That is what Allah is saying. Let them rule by this. And if they don't, then they are from amongst the fasiqeen. There was no other word left for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to describe such people. He said kafir, he said zalim. Then he says fasiq. And fasiq is, um, is the extent of them is the final extent of sin. You can't be more sinful than a fasiq, unless you commit shirk or kufr. A fasiq is the open sinner, the person who is considered a Muslim, but because of his sin, he is regarded as a fasiq, as an open sinner, as someone who has no shame. And this will, this is what will happen if you stop ruling by Islam. You will be an unashaming, unashamed an open sinner who is not ashamed of disobeying what Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala has revealed in the open. And this is what all the Mufassireen they repeat in their tafsir. In fact, you know, I don't have to quote you Tafsir al-Tabari, Tafsir al qurtubi Tafsir ibn Kathir, Tafsir Jalalain I don't have... because they say the same thing. They quote the same scholars. They quote the same Sahaba. So if you were to read one tafsir on this, you know, think as though you've read all the Tafsir. So Ibn Kathir, he narrates from Ibn Abbas عنه, who said, man jahada ma anzal Allah faqad kafa. You know, the discussion amongst the Sahaba and the scholars wasn't, can we rule by other than what Allah has revealed? It's a ridiculously stupid question. Their discussion was whether the person is a kafir or not. The fact that he's done a haram is a given. It's obvious, there's no discussion. But if he did it, rejecting the rules of Islam, what do you mean by rejecting the rules of Islam? If he said that this is not from Islam, or even if it is from Islam, I don't care. This rule that I am ruling by, alcohol is allowed, interest banking is allowed, I'm allying with the kuffar against the Muslims is allowed, this is a better rule than the rule of the Quran, then he is qad kafar, he has disbelieved. In fact, Ibn Kathir, he mentions in his book, "Bidaya wa Nihay," in his book of history, the beginning and the end. He says, SubhanAllah, he's not even talking about other than what Allah has revealed. He's saying whosoever leaves the Qur'an and rules by... The rules that have been abrogated in Islam. You know, some rules were abrogated in Islam. We know that first alcohol was permitted and then forbidden. It was permitted in that it wasn't forbidden. And then, after a few years, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala forbade the drinking of alcohol, uh, uh, forbade uh, gambling. So, these things were done gradually, as we know. Ibn Kathir is saying, anyone who rules by a ruling from Islam that has been abrogated, then he has committed kufr. So this is the uh, um, understanding of Ibn Kathir. In the tafsir, he's giving a hukum, and in bidayah wa nihayah, he's giving a fatwa for the people in his time who used to rule. He's saying that that is the case for someone who is ruling by what? By the sharā'ī al-mansūḥa, by the abrogated rules of Islam. What do you have to say then for the person who rules by the Kitāb al-Yāsūf? Uh, Kitāb al-Yāsūf was basically uh, it was a book with an amalgamation of some of the Qur'an and some of the Torah and some of whatever the Tatars were ruling by at the time. So, this is what uh, uh, um, he says that anyone who rules by that, then he is a kafir. He doesn't, he doesn't believe in Islam. So, Ibn Kathir, in his time, he's giving a fatwa for the rulers who ruled by this book that they amalgamated some and consolidated some information, some ayat from the Quran and other books. And this is throughout the history of Islamic scholarship, we find that all the scholars made this paramount ruling by what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has revealed. Ibn Taymiyyah he said uh, that it is known in the deen by necessity that ruling by Islam is an obligation. All the scholars whoever you want to quote in fact uh, I feel um, you know you know, we should feel embarrassed discussing this, brothers and sisters. I, I can't, but how can this be a discussion today? People are discussing whether they should rule by Islam or not? You know, this should be something that is uh, uh, part of one's aqeedah. You know, Abu Bakr radiyaullah, one as I mentioned, fought against those people who didn't give zakah. When they refused, when they rejected one undeniable ruling in Islam. Today we see the rulers, have denied the very basis of ruling by Islam. We won't rule by Islam. So we look in the history, that when people ruled by Islam, when people implemented Islam, and people have this misconception that no, the people who implement Islam were you know, pious people, and only then was there justice when there were pious people ruling. This is not the case. So when we take the example of Umar ibn Abdul Aziz, radiallahu anh, the grandson of Umar ibn al-Khattab, an, he was a pious, just man. And it was in, under his Khilafah, when the Khilafah spanned several continents, that when he was distributing zakah, and social scientists today use the example of Umar ibn Abdul Aziz to prove the... Effectiveness of the zakah system in Islam. That at the time of Umar ibn Abdul Aziz, when zakah was distributed, the money came back to the Bayt al And the people in the different wilayat, they said there is no one to distribute the zakat to. There is no one to distribute the charity to. This is the justice that we saw under Islam. But people today will say, yeah, but that was Umar ibn Abdul Aziz. That was the grandson of Umar ibn Khattar. Did you know that even before Umar ibn Abdul Aziz, as al suyuti mentions in his Tariq al-Khulafa, in his uh, <coughs> history of the, uh, of the khalifs, he says that there was one khalif who was the worst person. He would drink alcohol, he would commit zina, he would do all sorts of things. And then he usurped the power and became khalifa. The people, they rebelled against him, they fought him unto his palace. They told him to come out of his palace. And the Khalifa at that time, he said, listen, listen, listen. Haven't I implemented the rules of Islam upon you? Haven't I given justice to the one who give, who deserve justice? Haven't I not left one rule in the book of Allah except that it is implemented? What did the people say? Yes. They said, yes, you did all of that. And we accept that you are a just ruler. But if you disobey Allah subhanahu Subh'ana wa ta'ala's commands, yourself, personally, we won't accept that. And they killed him. The rebels, they went into his uh, uh, um, uh, palace and killed him. Because he himself was not implementing Islam, even though the system of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala was implemented. And people said, you know, uh, you know, this about, um, who was the Zia ul haqq in Pakistan. He used to pray tahajjud every night. He was a pious man, people who said. But he was not ruling by the Sharia of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So you have to the salvation of the Muslim Ummah and the justice that will be prevalent in the Ummah will only happen as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions in the ayah. When and if the sharia of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is implemented. I wanted to mention many other examples of justice under the Khilafah, but that's 1,300 years of history that I can't do justice to in, in a few minutes. Uh, we all know the example of the Jews in Spain and how they were treated for you know over 700 years under Islam. That the Zionist Film Association you was know called, Film Foundation in 1935, they issued a documentary. They published a documentary proving this, that Jews flourished under Islam. And now we know under Western capitalism what's happening. Moving on to uh, uh, a more relevant theme for and Whenever we read the Quran, we will, we will do an injustice to the Quran if we don't read it <coughs> to implement in our own lives. Don't we know the saying of the Sahaba? They would first learn ten verses of the Quran, then implement it upon themselves, and then move on to the next ten How many times have we read this ayah in Taraweep? How many times have we read this ayah in the khatams that we have in our homes? When we recite the whole Quran, in a few hours, all of us sit together. How many times have we recited it? So we have to look to how to implement it today. And what we find, the Muslims, our brothers, our sisters, even children, who have spilled their blood, brains and guts, in Syria, throughout the Muslim Arab world, for... Calling for what? What were their chants, brothers? Labaik, Labaik, Ya Allah. That's what they were chanting. They weren't chanting La labayk, Labaik, Obama, or Cameron. This was not their call. It's obvious that the people in the Muslim world, as has been proven by survey after survey after survey, even by non Muslim organizations, as you know, the very famous uh, University of Maryland survey that surveyed Egypt not long ago. To ask the people of Egypt, what would you like to see implemented? Would you like there to be the rule of the Sharia? And over 70%, an overwhelming majority of Muslims, population of Egypt said, we want the Sharia to be implemented. This is the reality of why these Muslims spilled their blood. And what's happened to that blood brothers? What's happened to their sacrifices? It's been hijacked. It's been hijacked with people who have nothing but ill intent for the Muslims. And brothers, we are guilty. Brothers and sisters, you and me are guilty for letting this happen. How can the blood of the Muslims be spilt for such a pure and clear goal for Islam? Yes, they don't know the details of Islam. But we should know the details of Islam. We should be the ones carrying this call to the Muslim world that we don't want Ghanoushi in Tunisia. We heard what Ghanoushi said. He said that we won't ban alcohol and bikinis. We won't harm. This is his statement. I'm quoting from him. We won't ban alcohol and uh, bikinis. We won't harm the tourist industry in Tunisia. We know that he has already accepted when the IMF would loan them based on interest, that he would accept. The loans from the IMF, based on interest. You know this. Uh, this um, one of the the foreign secretary for the Freedom and Justice Party in uh, in Egypt. His name is uh, Isam Al aryan the, the second part of his name means the naked. Isam the naked. You know what this Isam the naked said? Aryan means naked. That's his name. I'm not making it up. Yeah? So what he said was that. He said, democracy is not a method to solve our problems, but it is a solution to our problems in itself. This is how he was speaking. And then he was the same person who then said, we are going to review the Camp David Agreement, the agreement between Egypt and Egypt, and Israel that America was funding and they have, how can they stand and they say, we won't support, we won't support this regime, this, sorry, we won't support this agreement, the Camp David agreement that was drawn up by Kufar for negotiation between Egypt and Israel. We won't support it if America stops funding us. What does Allah Subh'anaHu Wa ta'ala say? مُقَدِيلًا Isn't this what they've done? And don't sell my verses for a cheap gain. You are supporting the Camp David agreement. When Allah Subh'anaHu Wa ta'ala very clearly in Surah Mumtahina, He says, وَمَنْ فَأُولَٰئِكَ الظَّالِمُونَ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala very clearly in surah Muntahina mentions how it is prohibited for any Muslim government to take aid from the disbelievers who fight you and remove you from land And this person is saying that I won't support it, not because Allah has ordered me not to support it, but because America will stop paying us. This is the extent to which the people who have hijacked the calls of the ummah have, have you know, reached. This is the level that they have reached. And uh, uh, despite that, brothers, what we see is that there's a lot of work happening in Egypt, in Syria, calling for the implementation of the Sharia and nothing else. However, what we find is that there are many influential Muslims that are living amongst us in the UK. So many of them. In fact, I know a brother who studied at university with the wife of Bashar al-Assad. They were studying and they had the same classes. There are so many. Today, as we speak, there is an event in Luton where a lot of the Syrian influentials are getting together to support and aid the Muslims in Syria. It is our duty, brothers, it is our obligation and sisters to contact anyone and everyone that we know from these countries, giving them the arguments. Because the Muslims that spilt their blood, they are not ulama. They haven't got time to study what should be the economic system in Islam, what should be the uh, foreign policy in Islam, But we are here and we've got nothing but time. Or we should have nothing but time. So we should be calling for a comprehensive solution in the Muslim world. Calling for the implementation of the solutions that Islam will bring in Egypt. This is what we have to prove to the rest of the Muslims. Um, uh, Inshallah. um, We'll leave it there. Um, There were other ayat I wanted to discuss however. I don't think time permits us.